Well, good morning to all six of you. <laughs> and in case you six are visitors, I would like to introduce you to my very famous and lovely assistants. The one you have met before, she's the one that has all the curves, but not necessarily in the right order. And my other lovely assistant has legs that go all the way up to his armpits. Thank you very much. Hey, glory, well, you know. So here we are. We're on a series uh, to do with deeper. And I don't know what that kind of conjures up for you, but when I think of that word deeper, and I was really impressed with Stephen when we had the Saturday meeting here. That was awesome, that session of uh, the authority of Scripture and, and the totally fresh look that we had and staying true to what God has called us to do and what God has called us to be as the world moves further and further away. But it's, when I think of the word deeper, I, it conjures up for me the opportunity of going well, deeper into a cave. You want to explore something, you go deeper into it. You might be an astronaut, you go deeper into space. The space race is still on. You may want to explore the depths of the ocean and you go deeper into it. In, in, in other words, you can't, you can't have the journey by standing still. I'll finish there then. Hi, that's good. You, you can go home. So, <laughs> you, last song. Let's have the band back up. Let's, <laughs> we'll do all the Oakley Coke. You know, it's okay. <laughs> um, but it, it, it requires a journey. You may have all the equipment, you may have all the experience, you may have all the training, you may have everything you need in place, but unless you put one foot in front of the other, you don't continue on the journey. You don't go anywhere, you can stand at the mouth of the cave and not go in, and you'll never discover what's in there, or you may be the astronaut and you're all dressed up red in your fancy suit and the rocket is down the way there, and you think, why, you know, I think I just look good and explore it from here, thank you very much. Well, you're not going to go deeper anywhere if we do it standing still. And it's the same with the spiritual journey with God. We're looking at going deeper, and we're on the gifts of the Spirit. And this week, we've got words of knowledge and words of wisdom, which I do find kind of amusing, really. Um, not certain why I got words of wisdom, but anyway, we'll, we'll attempt to address it this morning. And I really believe we've had a demonstration today, a definition of the word of wisdom is this. It's to bring the right word to the right people or peoples at the right time and in a right way. And if you've got the first three and the last one wrong, you're in trouble. Because if you've got the last one wrong, all that happens is we take what is precious and we make it a, a word of condemnation. It's the right word to the right people at the right time in a right way. And that's what Andrew did this morning. In response to what's going on, followed up by a word of encouragement from John, followed up from a word of knowledge and a word of exhortation by Sandra, there's this flow that takes place when God is on the move. And because we're looking at words of wisdom and words of knowledge, the definition for the word of wisdom and the demonstration you had is probably all you're going to get from me today. So you need to really make certain you've got the right time, the right people, the right opportunity in the right place and the right way and get it right and you're okay. So, 
moving on to words of knowledge because that's kind of, you know, an easier topic to look at. Yeah, no, you've got to love it. I'm just... So let me start with a story because it's unfair for me to quote somebody else's journey with words of knowledge. And because there's only six of you here today, this story is appropriate. Many years ago, I was invited to take a Wednesday afternoon meeting at Regent's Chapel. That's in Gosforth in Newcastle. And it was an, an afternoon club of older people. And at the time, I wasn't as old as I am now, but I was certainly the youngest there. And the youngest of that group was about 73, 74. And the oldest member was 100. But there was 25 to 30 of them. And it was a good afternoon, and we enjoyed it. And as the time went on, I would get invited back. And then there was a lapse. Thank you. There was a lapse in time. And one day the phone rang, and I'm invited back. So in my mind, I think, oh, well, there's about, I know there's about 20 there these days. And so began the preparation and went through it all. And in the process of preparing, I read in Luke's Gospel where Jesus is taken by his, his mom and his dad to the temple. And Simeon sees the baby Jesus. And he says, now let your servant depart in peace for my eyes have seen the salvation of God. And as I read that phrase, God spoke to me. And God said, there will be three people there who will not pass away until their children have been restored to faith. And I got really excited. And I began trying to, in my imagination, thinking who would be there and how that would have, what the effect would be and all the rest of it. And, and the day came and I arrived and uh, I, I walked in and greeted by the lady that made the phone call to me. And then the meeting is about to begin. So I turned to the lady that invited me and I said, um, where is everybody? There was four of them. Which is, we have two more here today than what we had then. So we said, we're okay. There was four of them. And my heart sunk. And I thought, oh, well, I'll just ditch that word I felt God give me. And should I change? And as they were going through the format, I just felt God keep stirring me with what I'd prepared and the word of knowledge that he had given me. So I'm trying to deliver and I'm trying to argue with God at the same time, which is not an easy thing to do. But that's kind of where we're at on the human scale. So we come into the end and I really felt stirred. So I closed my Bible because back in those days I could still see and we were okay. (laughs) And so I said, and I shared it. And as I was sharing this word, one of the ladies nudged the lady sat sitting next to her. Oh, that's interesting. So I shared it. And three out of the four of the women came forward and told their story. One son in his 50s, business-minded, but into alcohol. Another daughter away from God because of the career. And another person was just an alcoholic. And all suddenly needing God to show up. And suddenly, out of the unusual, God suddenly spoke to them on what was to be their last Wednesday meeting. You just never know, do you? When God whispers to you, we need to take note. Why do we need to take note? Because Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. He didn't say, my sheep sometimes hear me, and sometimes they get it right, and sometimes they get it wrong. But that's what we do. We get a word from God. The first thing we do is question it. Is this me? Now, I don't think that's a bad thing. 
necessarily, but we do need to trust God more fully when we get that whisper that's within us to bring and share. And if we're wrong, we'll come on to that in a moment. It's okay. But if you have a Bible, will you turn with me, please, to the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 1. For those of you that may not be familiar, I'm using the IPP version, which is the Invisible Poetical Paraphrase version of the book of Jonah. So here we go, Jonah chapter 1. If you're not sure where Jonah is, it's three quarters of the way through the Old Testament. We get past Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah. If you get to the book of Acts, you're 750 years too far in advance and you have to go back in time. About 12 books. But there we are. So we're in Jonah chapter 1. There was a prophet from Joppa and Jonah was his name. He was sent by God to preach good news to a city full of shame. Good news for them, but not for me, thought Jonah in his head. I know what I'll do. I'll take to the sea, and I'll run away instead. So, down to the harbor, he did go, and there he found a ship. He spoke to the captain real polite, then ordered fish and chips. (laughs) He got his fish, they got their chips, but not as they expected, because up blew a storm of tremendous force, and poor Jonah was ejected. Into the raging sea he was thrown. It made him turn quite pale when all at once he was swallowed up by a passing whale. For three whole days and three whole nights he sat in the whale's belly. He didn't have any books to read and he couldn't even watch the telly. But it was there he turned to his God and called upon his name. If you get me out of this mess, he said, I'll preach in that city of shame. With a great big burp and a mighty reach, poor Jonah was set free. And all at once, with a mighty thud, he landed on the beach. Now Nineveh was his next stop, and he got there in a hurry. He began his preach at the city gates. It made all the people worry. He preached with such anointing and with much fervor too. You'd have thought he was a Welshman. (laughs) He had just come from Wales. He, He preached with such anointing and with much fervor too that everyone repented was the best thing they could do. But Jonah was dejected because God's mercy had been shown. He only wanted a firework display in this evil, wicked town. So he sulked outside the city gates, thinking God had let him down. But God made the juniper tree grow to protect him from the heat. But along came a worm and ate it up and enjoyed a real treat. Now listen here, God said to him, I'll say this only once. When people repent and turn to me, forgiveness surely comes. So when I show my mercy and my forgiveness too, remember, I'm a just God who loves the likes of you. Thank you very much. But in Jonah, in Jonah chapter 3 and verse 1, we have this wonderful verse where it says, the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Well, if you, were to just, if you weren't familiar with the story and you just open your Bible and you kind of read that verse for the first time, something has to leap off the page to you because it says the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Well, that obviously means it came to Jonah a first time because you can't have it a second time if it's not already been spoken once. And if it's been spoken once, and then it's been repeated, it also tells me that Jonah understood the word of God. 
He knew this was God speaking. He didn't sit there in his house and go, well, I wonder, is this God or not? He knew and decided the opposite direction was the best place to go. Does that not ring a few bells? Does God not speak to you and me sometimes when we think, I'm just not up for it today? It's still the word of God. But the good news is, God doesn't change his mind about Jonah. No matter what he went through, no matter what havoc he caused on the ship, how they had to throw their load overboard, God doesn't change his mind about Jonah. The word of the Lord comes to Jonah a second time, which means God has got him right. God's got the right man for the right job, even though he has a wrong attitude. He's got a preacher's dream. There's not, I don't think there's probably any of us here that have preached one sermon and had a city repent from the king down. And he is still disgruntled. But God has got his man right. And even though his attitude is wrong, even though he runs away, God doesn't change his mind about Jonah, which I find incredibly encouraging because God doesn't change his mind about you and me either. We may not like the words that God sometimes drops into our spirit. And we may want to argue with them. And we may want to argue with God over them. The truth is, Jesus also knows his sheep. And they do know his voice. We're not told, how did God show up with Jonah? Did he suddenly write a message in the sand? Did the clouds form a, a particular message? Did he, did he hear an audible voice? Did he have a vision or a dream? We're not told. We're just told different ways as God sees fit. It's not that there's one way to receive a word from God. I just get this kind of witness in my spirit. and say, Okay, there's something there. need to do something about this. So a couple of, back about this time last year, I was around the primary school waiting uh, to meet uh, Sophie and Jessica. They were both in the same school at the time. And as I'm, I used to get there early, it was like my, <coughs> excuse me, like my little spot in the playground where the girls could obviously find me a lot easier than me see them. It was just a thing that we had. So I would stand there and wait. And as I'm waiting, this person walked past. And as this person walked past, I just felt the Holy Spirit say to me, you need to let him know that he needs to make wise choices regarding his friendships. Otherwise, it's going to be his downfall. And I said to God, well, if that's the case, I'd like to know his name. I thought that was a fair question. You know, he walks past another, and he walks past a grandma who says, as I'm in the middle of praying, hello, Dylan, how are you? I thought, all right, yeah. Can you not outthink God at any level? So I thought, well, okay, God, all right. So a couple of days went by, and I'm back in the playground, and I'm trying to work out, is anybody about? And I wandered across, and I thought, that, it, it has to be. It could only be Dylan. So I walked across. I said, excuse me, is it Dylan? Aye. Who wants to know, like? <laughs> Turned out he was a student from a nearby comprehensive school. I said, um, well, I do. Why is that then? I said, because I've got a message for you. Stony silence. I said, um, and I'll give you the message. And if you want to know where it came from, and who gave it to me, I'll tell you. 
What's that about then? I said, well, here's the message. So I told him, stony silence. I was about to walk away and he went, well, who gave you that line? <laughs> it's great, a Welsh Geordie accent. It's <laughs> I said, his name is Jesus Christ. And I've known him since I was 14. And he's been my best friend ever since. And he asked me to pass the message on to him. That was the end of the conversation. <laughs> that was it. So, well, okay, God, you know, just the Adam boy, you pass it on. But let's wind the clock back several years because it's important that I kind of give part of the journey that I've been on because there have been some hiccups along the way. And uh, my, first, my first challenge was, like most of us, it's the baptism of the Spirit. It's just one of those things that you kind of wrestle with. And I remember reading the phrase and understanding what it meant when the Bible said concerning Jesus, he will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. And I understood at the time from Scripture that the Holy Spirit is depicted like a river amongst other things. And I kind of got the impression that Jesus wants to baptize us in the river of his Spirit. And that made sense. But my problem wasn't there. My problem was Acts 2. Sorry, Alan, but it was Acts 2. The phrase that kind of gave me the trouble, which I didn't recognize fully at the time, it was this. It's Peter stands up and defending the 119, because he's the 120th, defending them, he says, these are not drunk, as you suppose. And that was my problem. I didn't want to be drunk. I was a brethren lad. It wasn't acceptable. You know, but they're not drunk, which means, as you suppose, which means they've been liberated in such a way that they no longer care about their surroundings. But that was my problem. See, deep down, I really wanted to dictate to Jesus how he should baptize me in the Holy Spirit. And I needed a willingness in me to trust him with the outcome. Because what happens, because take the analogy, these men are not drunk as you suppose. And I don't suppose there's anybody here that on a Friday night thinks I'm going out and I'm going to get drunk tonight. A church down the road may be like that, but certainly not here. But what the person doesn't do on a Friday night is get their first drink, whatever that may be, that alcoholic drink, and put it on the table in front of them and point at the alcoholic drink and say, now tonight, I am going to consume lots of you. And by half past ten, you're going to turn me into the happy drunk and I'm going to believe I'm in the midnight choir. That is not what happens, is it? You don't dictate to the alcohol the effect it's going to have on you. You just sit and drink it until it does. These men are not drunk as you suppose. And we need a willingness in our spirits to trust the Jesus who wants to baptize us in the Holy Spirit. And if he makes us totally liberated and totally drunk so we think we are out of control, so be it, he is in charge. And there needs to be that willingness to trust him. Once I got over that hurdle, that wasn't so bad. But then, having been baptized in the Holy Spirit and prophecy became uh, real and God's word became alive in a new way and speaking in tongues started to happen, I came across this other verse. In 1 Corinthians 14, where it says, Pursue the way of love and eagerly desire spiritual gifts. I thought, well, I do desire them. 
But what's this eagerness about? Well, there needs another willingness. There needs a willingness to keep cooperating with God. And my problem was, I, I wanted to desire spiritual gifts, but I also wanted to enjoy what I was still doing. I still wanted to enjoy the music I was listening to. Nothing wrong with it, but I didn't want to sacrifice it to wait on God a bit longer. I didn't want to give up reading this or watching that in order to... And God had to do something in me on the scale of eagerly desiring. And it was another step on the willingness journey. It was a willingness that when he prompts to just do, switch off, put away, go to God. It doesn't happen every day. But there are times when I may be listening to something. I mean, they're listening to the Tudor conspiracy. And suddenly God said, just, just stop. Okay, we'll stop. So there's a willingness that he is after in you and me when he wants to share something that is relevant. So several weeks ago, um, I'll come to that in a moment. The next step of willingness is that in we hear, that's okay. Hearing God, my sheep know my voice. That's not too much of a problem. The problem comes when it requires putting something into practice. When God gives you a word and you have to do something with it. Well, I just pray about it, Lord. I'll just share it. Well, I'm, I'm happy to pray about it right now. They need, my, they need prayer. I'll pray. They don't know you're praying. They need to know I'm on their case. They need to know I'm on their side. They need to know I'm alive and active. They need to know when I speak to you about them, they need to know. So a little while ago, I received a message on Messenger from a guy in Wales that we, that we knew, or we still know. And this guy started emailing me back and forth. And he wasn't in a very good place on the depressive scale, but he had all sorts of random questions from the Bible. And while I got caught up in replaying, I just felt God say to me, email him and tell John, read Jonah. So that's all I did. Keep it simple. I sent the email off. I had a fairly instant reply. If God wants me to read Jonah, why doesn't he tell me? I know the story. I told it in Sunday school. Da -da -da -da, and on it went. Sent him an email back. Said, John, God did tell you. He just chose to use me. Well, I, we can't always have God doing it personally. God tends to use the body. That's why there are gifts of the Spirit available for you and for me. But in going deeper... We have to start somewhere. Maybe you've never started. Maybe today this will just whet your appetite in going further with God than you have on the spiritual gift spectrum. But there needs to be a willingness to obey. So a couple of weeks ago I was in town in Newcastle and I'd been served by this guy and he just minded my own business and then the Holy Spirit said, you need to tell him, if he doesn't stop listening to the music he's listening to, he will become a manic depressive. I'm just trying to do an exchange. I just want to go. And oh, you know, why does God interrupt us the way he does? So anyway, I shared the word. And he went, no, you got it wrong. Okay. It's not a problem. I, I pass on what I believe God has given me. And if it's wrong, it's wrong. It's not the end of the world. But there needs to be a willingness to get it wrong in order to learn how we get it right. And if we don't learn, we don't move forward. We have to learn to learn. 
We have to keep pressing in in order for the gift and, and the experience to, to go hand in hand. So we start to grow up in God and we start to get more information from God that he will entrust to us. So there is this willingness that is required to be wrong. And the last willingness is always be willing to give the glory to God. Because this is not about us. It is about him. It's about allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us so that the world will know that Jesus is alive. And he may know that by him dropping in a secret into your heart about somebody else that you have no other way of knowing. See, in, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, to the disciples, who do men say that I am? And they rattle off who they think men are saying that Jesus is. And then Jesus turns the question on them and says, and who do you say that I am? And Peter says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus replies, flesh and blood did not reveal this to you, but my father in heaven. And that is the principle behind the word of knowledge. It's the father that reveals something to you that you cannot know any other way. It is not a nosy gift. It's a gift that brings hope. It's a, thank you. It's a gift that brings hope. It's a, it's a gift that brings reassurance. There is a God in heaven who loves me. And it may be all you need to hear today is that God loves you the way you are. He won't leave you the way you are, but he loves you the way you are. Maybe you've never had a father tell you that God loves you and today, you need to hear it for yourself. God says to you, I love you the way you are. But the word of knowledge is an exciting gift. It's lovely when we get it right. Of course it is. It's lovely when somebody else comes up and says, that was so spot on. Said, well, thank you, God. We go back to God. We learn a bit more. But we need to develop because we are going deeper. And if... 10 years further on from when I began, I'm still saying there's somebody here that has a migraine. Not that that is wrong, because that could be right of what God wants, but we need to grow up in the gift so that the gift grows within us and God entrusts more to us. Does that make sense? So the challenge is, are you up for the challenge? Are you up for the journey? Are you up for going deeper? Are you up for starting to go deeper? Because we have to start somewhere. The word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time, which meant it came to him the first time. It began somewhere. And it may be on a Sunday morning when the first song is, is being sung. And perhaps there's something to do with God setting us free from all our fears in the song. And you think, I need to go and share something. Let wisdom come in first. Because wisdom says, I have a right word. It's for the right people. Is it the right time? Wait a couple of songs, it won't hurt. Because God is obviously working somewhere else in the room as well as on you. And it's not always necessary to bring something straight away. We need wisdom that help us take a meeting forward rather than it becomes stop-start. And so when, you get, when you're given a word and you're, you're sitting there and you're mulling over it and shall I give it and shan't I give it and then somebody else goes forward and they give it. Think, oh, I've missed the opportunity. No, you haven't. Go and give it again because the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. It doesn't hurt to confirm the word that's already taken place. 
But we need to be courageous in our simple faith in Jesus. We need to trust him. We need to be willing to know that he is more often right. He is always right where we are working on being right. But we have to trust him. My sheep know my voice, he said. And they need to have faith in that, that Jesus is right. And if he said, my sheep know my voice, when I get this witness in my spirit, I need to trust God with the witness that he has given me to have the courage now to pass it on. But wisdom says, in a right way. It's wisdom that will allow us to be compassionate in the way we share words. Now that was a journey in itself. Whenever years and years ago, if I brought a prophetic word in other churches, it was always like the Old Testament guy. You know, thunder and lightning and you know, harsh. And it, Jesus is full of compassion towards his people. And we need a right way in bringing the word that God has given us to share with him. It may be this morning while I've been speaking, you, you suddenly found God speaking to you and dropping a word into your heart for somebody here. We'll have an opportunity in a moment to bring it. But while preparing for this word, I really felt God give me this particular word for a couple here. And you look at your finance and you tithe and your offering and, and you're doing, as far as you know, you're doing what is right. But just a few days ago, you said, what is it with our money? It seems to run through our fingers like water. Haggai says, you put in your money in a purse that's full of holes. And it, no matter what you seem to do, it doesn't seem to go around the way you expect it to go around. I'd like to pray with you because I believe God wants to do something significant in your finance today. I also believe that there's, and I've carried this word for a little while. Uh, I believe there's somebody here and you have a distant relative, distant, not far away, miles-wise, but distant as in a, a former generation, a great-grandfather or a great-uncle, but distant. And this particular relative was a train driver and long distance, so there were times when he was away from home. And on one occasion, while away from home, a rumor was spread about something this person had supposedly done. And it brought shame and disgrace on the family that you still feel to this day. And God wants you to know it was a rumor. That's all it was. Malicious, nasty, but it was a rumor. And your relative was innocent. And today, God wants to take from you the shame that you carry. I'd love to pray with you after if that rings true with you. But I'd like the band to come back, please. And if you're challenged this morning and you think, yes, I want to be involved. I want to have experienced this gift of words of knowledge. I want, I want to grow in that. I want to go deeper into God in that. I'd like you to come forward so we can pray with you today that we can be on this adventure in God together. So when the bands start playing, I'd love it if you can come forward. If any of the words that have been shared ring true with you, I'd love to pray. I'll stay near the front and I'd love to pray with you as well before you go. So thank you very much. God bless you.